Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk, the day after Christmas. So here we are. Well, welcome to Weigh In Sports. Jonathan, I hope you had a great holiday. Oh, I, I did. I I feel uh, blessed to uh, have spent it with uh, the people I love. How about yourself, Brian? Oh, oh how sweet. Yeah, this, <laughs> it was good. I'm just glad it, I'm just glad it's over. Let me tell you that. Christmas is over. <laughs> This year, this year is going to be over soon, and we can start fresh in 2017. How does that sound? Uh, you know, it, it sounds wonderful. <laughs> well, you all, you always know the year is coming to an end when Christmas is around the corner. So, so bye bye Christmas next weekend. I mean, we're already on it, man. Next weekend, we're gonna we're gonna be in the playoffs. Oh, that's right. Wow. Next next Saturday, I believe that's right. December thirty first is next Saturday. Auburn or Bama Washington. I want to say Auburn Washington. Bama Washington, the first game. Clemson Ohio State, the second one, and then really next week's NFL games. Looking at the picture, I mean, AFC's wrapped up, is it not? I mean, it's it's all wrapped up in the AFC according to which teams are getting in. But the NFC, tell me how. Washington and Tampa are still alive in the NFC right now because I thought they were eliminated after yesterday as well. But looking at this playoff picture, everybody in the AFC, one through six, is locked in. We have Detroit and Green Bay, Washington and Tampa still alive in the NFC. Is there a way Washington and Tampa can get in? Uh, Tampa needs a lot of help. Uh, there's seven games that need to go their way. Uh, at this point, I believe there's a 0.26% chance the Bucks, uh make the wild card, so you might as well eliminate them. Um, for Washington, it's a little bit simpler. Um, Green Bay loses, they beat the Giants, and they are in because they'll have one, uh, that tie will put Washington in because it's one less loss. So hold on, let's say a Green Bay loss and a Washington Washington plays the Giants next week. Yeah, and they're eight points oh, what did, what did the Giants. So if Washington beats the Giants, they're in or Green Bay has to lose? Uh if Washington beats the Giants and the Lions beat the Packers, Washington will then get the six seed. Okay, and Green Bay will be out. Mm hmm. Wow. I just don't want to see Washington in the playoffs because I don't think they can win. I think Green Bay's got a shot to to make the Super Bowl. So wouldn't you rather see Green Bay in the playoffs than Washington just for entertainment purposes? I would. I I think Green Bay is one of the teams in the NFC that can create some noise. But I think Washington will hang around. Uh, Whoever they're playing, they'll, they'll hang around and might be able to Make it make it look like a game into the fourth quarter, but I don't think they could actually beat any of these teams. I mean, I, and tell me if I'm missing something. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. I'm looking at the playoff pitchers, and the NFC looks pretty wide open, honestly. Just pretend today Washington Tampa Bay doesn't make it. I could see Green Bay going all the way in there. I could see the Giants. I could see Seattle. Hell, I could even see Detroit. I can see Atlanta. I can see Dallas. You look at the AFC picture, and it's really one team. I mean, it's New England. There's nobody else. 
that I see that could, could go to Fox for a win. Could we be in agreement on that? Because the Patriots are locked in, especially with Carr going out. Uh, Oakland. <laughs> I mean, how are they going to play? I mean, they get they're going to get the two seed, but it's going to be a quick elimination for them. So tell me a team that could beat New England besides probably Pittsburgh. I, I would say would be the only shot, maybe, maybe, just maybe. Yeah, I mean, the, the two-seed is really the only thing in doubt for the AFC. Because um, if Oakland loses to Denver and Kansas City beats San Diego, Kansas City would then be the two-seed. And let me just put it out there that I don't think it matters. Um, I think your AFC championship game is Pittsburgh at New England. I fa- I would favor New England about four, four and a half in that game. Um I think Pittsburgh has a, has a shot to beat New England because their offense can score with the Patriots. It just depends on which defenses actually show up that day. I think that would be a really good game. That, that would be a really fun game to see because as we saw with Pittsburgh's offense yesterday, you know, when they're, when they're clicking, they can just put up points in bunches and do it quickly. Yeah, it's good to see Baltimore out. Looking over, flipping over to the NFC right now, Atlanta's playing probably better football than anybody right now in the NFC. They're going to be a two-seed, it looks like, it's the season end of the day, but they still have to they still have to play the Saints and get by. Who do you think is going to be the two-seed in the NFC? It could be anybody. Oh. And they could be Seattle. It could be Detroit. It could be Green Bay. It could be Atlanta. I mean, yeah, I know mean, wide it, open it, could, it is. It could be really tough. Um I I, I honestly I think we're we're probably gonna get um Atlanta as the two seed, because uh, I think they'll beat New Orleans next week and when they beat New Orleans I'll wrap it up for them. Uh, but if they lose in New Orleans then like you said, it could be Detroit, it could be Seattle, um you know, Green Bay can't be the two seed, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it, it'll be. It, it, I think that for the NFC next week, you're going to watch a couple games, and it's going to be it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be enjoyable um, to to see how those games really shape out. Well, my Carolina Panthers are eliminated from the playoffs, and thank God. I mean, they look. I mean, I'm going to give Atlanta some credit, too. I'm not taking that away. They look like far – I mean, I mean, just so much better than Carolina yesterday. They just look like a better team, a team that had something to play for. Carolina's out there going through the motions. What What did this season teach us about Carolina, do you think? What, I mean, last year we were screaming at them at the Super Bowl after that, saying, guys, if you don't go out and rebuild your offensive line – I was anyway, and getting blindside out, getting, getting a left tackle, getting some protection for Cam, and getting some help in free agency. You know, that's what we were talking about. But Carolina seemed to get worse on defense. They got worse on offense, special teams. Everything just seemed to go against Carolina this year. What do you What do you think happened? Really, let's let's just be real about it. Do you Do you think Cam got hurt real early in this season and? Is it playing through it, or this team just didn't seem to have any kind of chemistry all season to me? It just seemed like they were just reaching, trying to trying to find something to hold on to, and they just could never come together and string it along for several games in a row, especially early in the season. Well, 
I think losing Norman the way that they did with the team rescinding the franchise tag and just letting him walk, I think that created a little bit of friction in the locker room. Um, and then when you looked at it, they were so young in the secondary. Uh, I, I, that created, obviously, some issues on the back end. Um, they really weren't able to get a consistent pass rush from the edge, which, you know, being a Bucks fan, I've seen it time and time again, where if you can't get a pass rush, your secondary is left out to dry and bad things happen. And offensively, I think, you know, obviously Stewart getting hurt didn't help. Uh, I think Cam has been dinged up all year. Um, but that offensive line is, you know, they just haven't really invested in it. And obviously that led to a downfall, um, uh, you know, in some of these games. So if you're Carolina, you got to rebuild your offensive line. you got to get another edge rusher, and you got to get some more talent in that secondary. Let's just think, you've got you've got your quarterback for the next eight years at least probably, I mean, playing for you. And you've got a chance to go to the Super Bowl every year if you keep him healthy. So and if he has a good offensive line, that is. You've got to – all they have to do is have a good offensive line. Their defense, they can figure it out. They can do a lot of things. But they're going to score points if they will give Cam Newton time to throw the football. That's just what I've noticed. When I, he's not comfortable back there. He's a little gun shy, he seems to be. And uh, I guess I would be too if I was hit that many times in a season. Um, but he just doesn't feel, he doesn't seem comfortable, Jonathan. That's not, you don't see him as, as mouthy as he was, as excited and energetic. Have you noticed the, the lack of energy in Cam this year compared to last year? Last year it was just like fun for him. This year it was like, pulling teeth watching him. I mean, it was – I don't think he got worse as a quarterback. I just think the team overall just just sucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the team had issues, and Cam obviously had his problems. Um, you know, he, he sustained a lot of hits this year, a, a lot of tough hits, um, and he, he didn't necessarily handle all that too well. It's, it's one thing where last year he would take a big hit and he would get up and smile, and he'd come right back at you. Whereas this year, it kind of seemed like he was he was more worried about, you know, where's my penalty? Where's my penalty? Where's my penalty? You know, where in years past, you know, he, he wasn't too concerned about that. I don't know. If, you know, obviously I think there's, there's concerns for him about, you know, looking towards longevity of his career, uh, as with, you know, most uh, NFL players. But I I think that there was a fire and a hunger that just wasn't there this year with him uh, that there was last year. Uh, you would think after falling short in the Super Bowl, he would come out with more mojo and more enthusiasm, and he almost seemed content with just being good. And, you know, this is an issue that we see with certain quarterbacks where you wonder if week to week they're actually striving to be better than they were the previous week, like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger do. Um, you just want to make sure Cam doesn't slip into the hole that Jay Cutler and Colin Kaepernick did, where they were like, okay, well, I'm talented, so that should just be enough. Yeah, I just don't think this guy – I still think he's learning how to lose. and I, I never want to see people – you still have to know how to lose and you have to know how to win. I still just think he really saw in his in his mind after that Super Bowl was devastating – the loss was to him. I just think seeing what he saw on the field, I just think he kind of backed up a little bit. And Sonny Clark made something months ago, was talking about Cam Newton's getting ready to sue the NFL. He's making a case. And I really think Sonny's right on this one. I mean, 
I put it on Wayne Sports today. You know, he, he comes out, they complain, they're showing statistics about the penalties. He he met with Roger Goodell, told him he was really afraid sometimes to be out there with the way the officials were. We're still seeing those shots, and we're still seeing no penalties. What I could see Cam Newton doing in a couple of years is walking away from football, Jonathan, and getting paid by the NFL a lot of money. And this comes at a perfect time. I don't want to see this. But if the NFL is not careful, this is what they're going to have. They're going to have a lawsuit that they're going to lose, and they're going to lose one of the most entertaining quarterbacks in the NFL because these referees are too stupid to call the game the right way on the field. So who's in control of the NFL, Jonathan? Is it Goodell or is it the officials? I mean, Goodell at the end of the day is the king of the NFL. Uh, You know, see, here's the problem with quarterbacks. Here's the problem with quarterbacks like Cam. Okay, they're mobile, right? So officials have a hard time separating the run, you know, them being a runner from them being a quarterback. And that's obviously something that I think they're going to need to go over and look at because I'd love to see how many late hits Michael Dick got, you know, and if he went through the same yeah. issue as Cam because officials almost expect, oh, they're going to get away from it. You know, they're going to take off and go. And they almost, you know, once, once a quarterback leaves the pocket, we have to remember this, once a quarterback leaves the pocket, uh, refs tend to start treating them like running backs. And once they get past the line of scrimmage, they definitely treat them like a skill position player. So, you know, the, the mobile quarterbacks like Cam, um, like Mariota, need, need to learn where that line is. And they need to find a balance between getting the yards and extending their career. And at the end of the day, that's something that, you know, they're going to have to learn on their own. Maybe they talk to the officials and maybe they talk to Goodell and the, and the player competition committee, committee and everything and they try to figure out where, where the line is and let's make sure we can get this right. But, you know, you're not going to get as many calls as Tom Brady because Tom Brady doesn't run. <laughs> Tom Brady gets hit in the pocket yeah. at, at the end of the day, so he's going to get more calls because he's still a quarterback. He's not a, a player. Well, I just – I don't mind late hits they happen in football, but what bothers me is those those shots that he's taken to the head and the neck area, taking that much impact. Even after a run, even if you're a running back, somebody can't lead with the crown of their helmet and hit you head on. And that's what's happening when Cam Newton's getting hit. And the, and if I'm a player, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it until the referees tell me not to, and the referees haven't really done anything. So I, I just look for them to really focus. Instead of trying to get some defensive help in the draft, go out and get the big offensive lineman, the baddest you can find. Go out, spend the money in free agency. Be serious because Cam Newtons don't come about, come around every year. Jonathan, look at these drafts of quarterbacks we've seen. I mean, uh, you've seen Jameis Winston. You've seen Cam Newton. I mean, after that, really, before that, Andrew Luck. But there's it's not easy to find these guys. That they can win Super Bowls for you quick. That they can take a crappy team and make them go to the Super Bowl in just a few years. You don't find those much. So don't you think it'd be smart to protect these guys? Man, like Andrew Luck, for instance. My God, I'm surprised he's still standing as bad as the offensive line as he's had. I mean, common sense tells you to build the offensive line if you want to if you want to keep a guy healthy. You know, if you look at if you look at the playoff pitcher, Jonathan. You have healthy quarterbacks uh, for each team, except Oakland, of course. It's happened late. I mean, look at Seattle. Russell Wilson's banged up a little bit, but they're a pretty good old team. Eli Manning's not getting killed. 
Aaron Rodgers, of course, Stafford, Matt Ryan, and and uh, Prescott. And you have Tom Brady, you have Big Ben. Houston doesn't know what they're going to do. Alex Smith for Kansas City, and then you have the the poser in Miami there. So I mean, those quarterbacks are healthy, right? I mean, if you look at it, good offensive lines protect their quarterback. These teams are in the playoffs. You look at Washington, their offensive line's not that great. If you look at Cam Newton and Carolina, look at Denver. But I want to I want to give you a chance to talk about the Vikings. They're they're out of the playoffs at seven and eight. Mm-hmm. Where were they at one time? Were they six and zero this year? Uh, five and zero. Minnesota was five and zero, and looked like they were going to be with that defense the class of the NFC this year. And all the issues on offense finally caught up. When um, when you well, I'm, I'm giving you Peterson, the stage because you called it. You called it. I have to give you this stage for a minute because you called it. You were before the season, and even when they were five and zero, you were like, uh. Be careful. This team, you know, is about to take a slide, and they did. Yeah, well, I mean, when they lost Peterson, obviously, you know, the the, the thing with Peterson, I think it's going to be the same thing with Leonard Fournette. You're going to have the most talented running back in the NFL, but you don't know how many games you're going to have in each season. You're always worried about the next injury because these guys, they, they at this point, I would say both of them are somewhat injury-prone. Um Minnesota needed, you know, they've been needing to work on their offensive line for a little while, and they kind of just kind of suck with the whole it's good enough for now. Uh, I want to say they lost their left tackle for a couple games this year. I, the biggest issue with Minnesota, though, was that they they made a trade for a quarterback, and they gave up a first-round pick, which is, you know, which is a, a team's pick this year. It's the middle, middle of the first round. And they gave up a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick for a quarterback who's a good backup and really a bad starter in, in Sam Bradford. Um, people want to talk about, well, you know, he was a first-round pick and blah, 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 and that's, that's fine and dandy. Mark Sanchez was a first-round pick. Josh Freeman was a first-round pick. You know, first-round you know, first picks aren't always the end-all, be-all. Uh, E.J. Manuel, Christian Ponder, two Florida State guys, both were first-round picks. Both are backups. Uh, one, in, one in San Francisco and one in Buffalo. So, if you you know the Vikings issue became Teddy Bridgewater was like a lot like Alex Smith in that they weren't going to lose you the game. Uh, they weren't stars by any stretch of the imagination. Um, at least Bridgewater's not a star, but he's a good quarterback. He's somebody that can lead you to the playoffs. He's somebody that can win you a game if you need him to. Sam Bradford wasn't that guy, and Minnesota didn't have the weapons um, on the outside other than Stephon Diggs to really help him out. I know Adam Thieline had a huge game against the Packers, but he wasn't able to do that consistently week in and week out. That's the problem. You don't invest in your outside options. Cordell Patterson has been a bust of a first-round pick. That's somebody that they hoped they could teach him how to play wide receiver. And it's very hard to teach somebody how to run the routes properly and to have the awareness, you know. So if you're the Vikings and you're a Viking fan, I need you to look in the mirror and go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I got my hopes up. And I'm sorry I was mad at Jonathan <laughs> because, you know, I, I redid my pick. At, at, the, at the beginning, I was like, oh, they're going to finish third, you know, maybe fourth place. And it's like, wait a minute. The Bears are, are, are much worse than, than I'm giving them credit. So I had the Vikings finishing 7-9, 8-8, eight eight, finishing in third place, not making the playoffs. And that's what happened. You know, as, as much as, you know, you wanted to have hope because the defense was so good, 
it was the same issue the Broncos had, another team that started, what, 4-0. And, and uh, they're going to finish, you know, 8-8, eight eight, maybe 9-7. Yeah, they're I not going to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I called that collapse, remember? Remember, I called that Denver. I couldn't buy into them because guess why? They didn't have a quarterback. And that's exactly what Minnesota – you can have a great defense all you want, but this is the NFL. If you can't score points, you can't win. Ask Indianapolis. They have a great offense but no defense. You can't win. You've got to have some kind of balance on both sides of the ball. You don't have to be great. But you just have to be good enough to stop somebody. I think, to me, one of the biggest disappointments in the NFL this year, besides the Panthers, really, to me, was Cincinnati at 5-9-1, Jonathan. How do you explain Cincinnati? I mean, that's just – that's bad. Nobody picks Cincinnati to go 5-9. and nine. I'm sorry, but to be 5-9-1 and nine and one right now at this time of the season. Right, Cincinnati is a team I thought would be somewhere between like eight and eight and ten and six. Uh, that's what they have been for, you know, what the past three, four years. Um, but they're led by a quarterback that he's not going to win you ball games as much as they, you know, they they're kind of happy with Andy Dalton because he's better than some of the previous options they've had. At the end of the day, Andy Dalton's not a good quarterback; he's average. Uh, and then, you know, of course, you have the injuries of Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill kept really getting going. A.J. Green got hurt. Um, you know, and you found out, well, we really don't have a secondary option since Marvin Jones left. And they, the defense was on the field, but that defense wasn't up to par uh, the first month of the year with, with uh, Burfitt getting suspended. And then when he came back, that defense never really meshed. There's a lot of talent in Cincinnati. And at the end of the day, I think this falls back on the coaching staff. Because a good coach would have gotten this team to eight and eight, maybe ten and six. Just look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs, in all honesty, don't have that bit of an offense. But they're eleven and five, probably twelve and four at the end of the year, might even win the division, be the two seed in the bye week. That's a good coaching staff in Andy Reid. He's developed a, an, a system that has just worked for them. And we saw last night what they were able to do in offense. I mean, they put up thirty-three points. It's not like they can't score. It's just you, they know their limitations. Um, and, and the Bengals have, did not figure that out this year. I, I, in all honesty, I think they need a new head coach. Uh, Marvin Lewis, i got to give him credit for what he was able to do in Cincinnati, considering what they were before he got there. But I think it's time to move on. I think the, I think the message is now stale, and I think they need a fresh voice. Yeah, I'd love to see Saban in Cincinnati. That'd be nice. It'd be a nice fit. <laughs> You think he wants to go deal with yeah, snow? Right. Come on. Yeah, well, I'll tell you a team that impressed me this year with the record so far is Tennessee. Uh, I really like what they've done this year. You know, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're kind of trending in the right direction. Buffalo, have, I mean, they didn't have a terrible season. You look at that. You look at the New Orleans, even though they're 7-8, and eight, they have a chance to be 8-8. Eight and eight. They, they had a better year than I expected them to have. But Arizona laid an egg with Carolina. They just, the, only, the only thing separating Arizona and Carolina is a tie and against Seattle in that miserable, awful game. But what happened to Arizona this year? I mean, last year's two NFC champions, the NFC championship game, both teams are not in the playoffs right now. And it's, uh, it's hard to imagine. We had Denver and New England. England made it, of course. But the NFC, both of them fell short this time around. Yeah, I mean, they both, obviously, you know, a tough schedule doesn't help, but the thing with the Cardinals was 
Carson Palmer, you know, remember, remember Jake DeLome had that awful game against the Cardinals in the NFC Championship game. It was never the same. And Carson Palmer had the same thing against the Panthers last year. Where Car- All of a sudden, Palmer wasn't sure of himself. He threw off his back foot a lot this year. You know, when you have statistically at least the best running back in the NFL, you should have a good season. But they, they, Palmer kind of held this team back. The offensive line really wasn't uh, that, that great. It was good, don't get me wrong, but I think they still need a little bit of help there, at least in pass protection. Uh, I mean, they had the weapons, but Michael Floyd had a very down year, and that's why the Cardinals, you know, they didn't even hesitate to cut bait with him after his DUI arrest. Um, you know, they don't really have an option as a tight end, so Slater, Fitzgerald, and who? Uh, and defensively, I mean, you know, at some point, a lot of these teams are probably like Cincinnati and Minnesota and Denver and Arizona, uh, you know, um, Arizona, Carolina, where their defenses were kind of, they were left on the field a little too long in a lot of these games, and especially in the case of Minnesota, Denver, Arizona, where their defenses just left out there too long. And it's so a good defense that's just spending way too much time on the field, and when a team sees as many drives as they were seeing, Teams are going to storm the NFL. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. Uh, you know, and also, the NFL got what they wanted this year. There was a lot of parity. I mean, if, you, if, if, if I asked you, you know, Dallas, New England, Nate, let's say they're one and two, who's the third best team in the NFL? I don't know. I know there, there's, a, there's a lot of teams that are. I have the Oakland, maybe, but I can maybe. make a case for Atlanta. Maybe. I can make a case for Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. The NFL got a lot yeah, of charity a lot this of year. Parody. I mean, there's there's a top, and it's a very small top. There's a bottom, it's a very small bottom, and then tier two is kind of big, and tier three is kind of big. So you know that it, it's really amazing when you really look at it and and, and go, wow, you know, the NFL has been screaming for parity for this long time, and you know they they want to try and replicate what some of these other leagues have done, and it, it just can't be done. You know, it's whoever has the best quarterback play at the end of the year tends to be at the top. That's what happens. So, and if, you know, people wonder why you take quarterbacks are overvalued and taken so early. It's because a, a franchise quarterback can alter a franchise and you can be a contender for 10 to 15 years. Just ask the Patriots. Just ask the Steelers. You know, and that, that's why this draft is going to be very interesting because you're going to have three guys that are going to be at the top of the list that people are going to stare at. They're going to look at him and go, you know, can he alter my franchise's trajectory? You know, 75% of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL this year uh, were taken in the first 45 picks. And you think about that for a minute, 75% of them. And you know what? It's kind of worked. Where, I mean, you look at New England and you look at, Dallas, and you look at Seattle, uh, let's say Washington, you throw in there. Those are four teams that they got lucky. You know, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady weren't taken in those first 45. So Tom Brady, obviously, it, it was hard to justify him being that high of a pick at the time because he couldn't even keep the starting job in college. Dak Prescott might have been, but he got a DUI. Russell Wilson was undersized. Kirk Cousins, eh, he's a Michigan State quarterback. We don't know how good he really was going to be. You know, Mike Shanahan loved him. So, you know, all these guys had knocks on them and were able to overcome them in certain situations. But they also had perfect situations to walk into, especially in New England, Seattle, and Dallas. Where in Seattle, you walked in, had a great defense. Dallas, the team was already built. New England, you had a great system, and you really had a lot of talent on that team. And it was a young team when Brady Tool was able to take over. So, you know, because, like, when the Patriots had Drew Bledsoe, they were still a good team. 
If that's, there's a reason why they took Brady in the sixth round because they didn't think they needed a quarterback. Dallas took Prescott, hoping they could groom him for a couple of years. Um, Seattle took Russell Wilson because they figured, ah, you know, we'll groom him. Let's not forget that they signed Matt Flynn to kind of a big contract to be the starting quarterback. Yeah, and it just seems like some of these teams are, you know, if, if you're trying to groom a quarterback, sometimes you can get them late. That's where your gold is. You know, but but these teams right now are having to take them now. Like you got San Francisco, Chicago, the Rams, Cleveland, Jacksonville, the Jets, San Diego. Who do you think they're going to be trying to get? Who's the next? I mean, San Diego's fine, a quarterback. But you look at San Francisco; they're going to be one of the top two picks. Don't you think they'll try to get a quarterback? I, I mean, I not your, not, not your guy. I'm sorry, Colin Kaepernick sucks. Well, I mean, I, I think there's no doubt about that. You know, Colin Kaepernick, what bothers me the most about Colin Kaepernick was when I saw him in college at Nevada. I said, oh, my, this, this guy has the talent. He has the arm. He has mobility. You know, he has the NFL size. You know, this guy can be great. And what happened with Kaepernick was he hit a level where he got comfortable and thought, you know what, I can just show up and be good. I can just show up and do what I need to do. And he didn't spend the time that he needed to in the in in the film room and on the practice field. And that's what bothers me about Colin Kaepernick. So, yeah, I mean, San Francisco's going to cut bait with him after this year. They're not going to owe him any money. So they're going to need a quarterback. I think Chicago's going to look for a quarterback. Uh, I know Matt Barkley has shown signs of being good, but he also threw five interceptions this weekend. And that's unacceptable. And he's had, I want to say, it was like 14 turnovers since he started taking over the starting job in Chicago. That's not very good. Um, Cleveland is going to look for a quarterback. RG3 wasn't the answer, and they knew that when they brought him in. They brought him in maybe, you know, they're like, maybe he strikes lightning in the bottom, maybe he doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Uh, they knew they were going to be bad this year. Uh, the Rams took Goff number one overall last year. I think they're kind of stuck with him. And for San Diego, I think you need to draft somebody to develop behind Phillip Rivers. But Rivers didn't have the best year. I mean, I want to say he leaves the league in interceptions. Which is, I mean, that's usually not a good sign. So, yeah, I, I think you know you're gonna look at the bottom. You're gonna look at the top of the draft order, and you're gonna go. Well, they need a quarterback. They need a quarterback. And really, how many how many of these teams are a quarterback away from contending? You know, I think the Jets yeah, could be. That's all it takes. That's all it I think takes. the Jets could be, but the Jets took Hackenberg in the second round last year. They told they they said they're gonna redshirt him this year, try to get him up to speed, try and get his confidence back after getting better at that if he did at Penn State his sophomore and junior year, right? So the, the Jets, I don't think, are going to take a quarterback. So I, I, the list of teams that are going to take quarterbacks in the first round is a lot smaller than I think, honestly, people think it will be. Let me tell you this. Next year's draft, let me give you some quarterbacks' names, Jonathan. Mitch Trubisky, Trubisky from North Carolina, okay? Does that get you all fired up? Kaiser, Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Watson, I mean, these are your quarterbacks that you have to deal with. That's that's in the first round. So, do you really think Trubisky is going to be an NFL quarterback? No. Do you really think Kaiser could be? Yeah, I think he could be, but how long is it going to take him to develop? Watson, the jury's out with him. Are you going to take him in the first round real quick to try to get that quarterback? I just don't think he's ready. So, I mean, you're screwed if you're looking for a quarterback in the draft this year. You're screwed. 
Well, I, I, this is going to be an interesting year for the draft because I, I, there's going to be some guys taken that are going to be projects. We're going to see how they develop. Um, I like Trubisky. I think there's a lot of talent there. Uh, I think his floor is a lot higher than some of these guys. It's just I don't know if his ceiling's as high. Um, Kaiser, I think, is going to need a, a redshirt year before you can hand him the reins. I think you, you put him in the same situation like Carson Palmer and uh, Aaron Rodgers, where you kind of give them a year to learn everything and get up to speed before you throw them out there. I mean, I, I love what I see from Deshaun Watson at times. I really do. And at other times, I sit there and go, oh, my goodness, what are you thinking? You know, and there, there's been Clemson fans that have been rumbling this year about how he can't read defenses. And it's just kind of been easy for him because there's so much talent on the outside for him. And that could be the case because, you know, there's no doubt that they have very talented receivers. Guy like Michael Williams where it's just chuck it up, he'll go get it. Uh, Deion Kane's been very good. Ray Ray McLeod has had his moments. Um, so we'll, we'll see with Watson. You know, Brad Kaya is probably going to come out, uh, the quarterback at Miami. I think he's a game manager at best. Um, you know, Mason Rudolph at Oklahoma State could come out this year. He's a junior. Um, that's, you know, the guy who he has the NFL size, but he's playing the spread system, so you know that scares people. Uh, Chad Kelly, you know, obviously he's going to be drafted uh, later because of his ACL injury, but that's somebody who showed flashes of being extremely talented and somebody who has shown that he can read defenses. That might be your skill of the draft. Um, outside of that, I mean, maybe Davis Webb at Cal, but again, a spread quarterback. Uh, Nathan Peterman is getting buzzed for, you know, fourth round type of guy out of Pittsburgh. I don't know how much I'd buy that. Uh, you know, so you're, you're really scraping this year, but it's funny because what do we consider a good quarterback class? Because I'll tell you, I'll tell you this much right now. If you look through them, it's very hard to say that there's been a bunch of good quarterback classes. Are you looking for a franchise quarterback and some starters? Are you looking for just a franchise quarterback? Are you looking for just multiple starters? What are you looking for in your franchise class? Uh, I mean, for a good quarterback class, because, I mean, this could actually be a good class if some of these guys develop into what they should be. Yeah, this, well, I have to say, I think you're right. It's the development class and everything. But just think if, you, if you're lucky enough to to get one of these top picks, Jonathan, like, let me go through the list, kind of give you some names. Jonathan Allen, somebody's going to get, Rich right off the bat with him. Look at these Alabama players. You got number one ranked Jonathan Allen, five Marlon Humphrey a corner, uh, Cam Robinson eight. He can anchor down that offensive line for you. Reuben Foster linebacker at number eleven. I mean Tim Williams probably better than anybody I've mentioned right now. Number eighteen, right Alabama man, and number twenty five OJ Howard. My God, Jonathan, look at all these Alabama players just in the top twenty five alone of the draft. I mean, this is unbelievable to see this much talent on the same field. And people wonder why they're favored to win the national championship. Well, I mean, it's just it's unbelievable what you see. But I could see Carolina making a dumb move, and, and I'm not saying that this this guy's not. A great player, but going out and drafting Mike Williams first instead of trying to get an offensive lineman when Cam Robinson may be available, just may be available for you. And I know you're not high on Cam Robinson, and but I'm just saying that's that's something that they need to look at. Like Carolina and teams like that need to look at protecting. If you have quarterbacks, protect them, build around them. If you don't, I don't know. This is a perfect time of the draft. If you don't have a quarterback to trade your pick to get one later, 
in the draft and hopefully strike wide into the bottle lot with Prescott right now. But you don't see many Prescotts come around and Russell Wilson or they're drafted late like that and they end up possibly taking it to the Super Bowl win their division. But it's going to be fun to see this draft. Do you think Deshaun Watson comes out or do you think he comes back another year in college? I think Deshaun Watson comes out. Um, it, it, I, it would be hard-pressed for me to see him coming back, especially when, you know, you're you're a lock to be a, a first, a, you know, let's say a second, at least a second-round pick, most likely a first-round pick. Um, yeah, who's a first-round? Yeah, I, you know, I, if I, you know, if, you know, it's hard for me to say if I was him because you know, I, I, I treat it differently. But, uh, you know, if he follows the trend, he, he should come out, uh, go get your money, get the clock started on the NFL paycheck, uh, and go from there. You know, and, and looking at it, if you're Carolina and you need help all along your offensive line, which I believe you do, there's some good guard prospects in the second round. There's some good guard prospects in the third round. Um, you know, if you look at offensive tackle, I think that there's some good offensive tackle uh, depth this year in the second, third round. You know, so maybe, you know, you don't gra- reach for Cam Robinson right away. Um, but you could still wind up yeah. with a guy like Roger Johnson, who's been oh. all ACC, what, three years in a row now out of Florida State? Um you know, you can look at the guards like Scott Pleasantberry out of UCLA, who's been very good, and maybe you spend your first-round pick on a cornerback. You go get a guy like so Marlon Humphrey falls to you, maybe you get him. Uh, maybe you look at a guy like Sidney Jones out of Washington, um, who I think is a very good corner, or Desmond King out of Iowa, maybe even a Dory Jackson out of USC. Uh, you know, so I, I think you know, this draft, yeah. people are like, oh, so it's a weak draft. Well, th- what people call weak drafts are usually because there's not a bunch of um, highlight guys, if you will. I, not a bunch of star quarterbacks. I don't think it's a weak draft. I don't think it's a weak it's a, draft at all. I look at this. It's lotus balanced. It's, it's very – you come and pick what you need. We've got all parts here. It's like, you know, come get what you need for your car. When you're building a car – and you need different parts. We got all parts, and, and these every team needs a part. And, and these parts, Zach Cunningham could be the still of the draft out of Vanderbilt linebacker. Yep. Just a complete stud. Just a complete stud. Ruben Foster, he can. I mean, and, and one thing about the linemen we were talking about these guards, Jonathan, they can play right away. These guys are built. They're that good. They can compete day one for a job and get better as the season goes on. That's what you're looking for, right? You're looking for somebody that can come in. You can work with them, develop them. I mean, they, these guys, it's not like they have to gain 100 pounds to get there. They're ready for the NFL. Cam Robinson's built. He's ready. I mean, these offensive linemen are ready to play, and that's what Carolina needs to go out and say, you know what, we know our center's good. Our right guard's okay. We need some help at left tackle, right tackle, things like that. Go out and draft him. Just get him. Just draft them. Screw defense. Your defense is good enough to hold up a little while longer. I mean, you, you're going to have to get somebody. Don't get me wrong, but the linebackers they have are phenomenal. Now, like you said, get some pass rushers. Get somebody that can help. Give me a good pass rusher real quick. Give me two names. Tim Williams is who I, I don't know. There's something about that guy, Tim Williams. If he was in a Carolina Panthers uniform, I'd be happy right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Tim Williams a lot. He actually might be the best uh, pass rusher on, Al- on Alabama's team. 
Um, you know, if we're looking at pure defensive ends, obviously Miles Garrett uh, is your best four three D end. Jonathan Allen, I don't know if he's a four three end because of his size. He's a buzz. Uh, Miles Miles Garrett's a buzz in the NFL, by the way. He's a buzz. I mean, if I if, if I'm looking at, at two guys right now, to be completely honest, um, I love the Marcus Walker. Well, I mean, yeah, Derek Barnett was somebody I was going to bring up because what he put together this year, what what he's done in his career is absolutely amazing. Um, And I think he's a phenomenal uh, football player. Uh, He's essentially the same size as Miles Garrett, which is kind of cool. If you want to look at, uh, you know, people are going to go, well, you know, what about the size? Oh, they're the same. So you don't have to worry about that. We're just going to look at film. We're going to look at the handwork, the footwork. Uh, I I mean, I'm parts of the Marcus Walker, uh, you know, lead the country in sacks. You got to be good at something, right? And, and you know, I, I think that uh, Demarcus Walker would be a good pick. I think Carl Lawson would be a good pick. Uh, I like Barnett a lot. You know, uh, Solomon Thomas out of Stanford uh, is is another guy that I've watched, and I know I I think he's a very good talent. Uh, Harold Landry out of Boston College. He might be a little undersized, but I think again he's a he just knows how to get to the quarterback. He's a very good pass rusher. Uh, so I, this is a very deep draft in my eyes for defensive uh, for pass rushers for defensive ends, uh, you know, three four outside linebackers. That is something that I always appreciate, and it's a very important position now. Everybody, re- you know, you will overdraft defensive linemen, you will overdraft quarterbacks, and you will overdraft offensive linemen. That's that's what it is now. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see because I think there are a lot of first round picks, and there's only 32 slots. So where do certain guys go? And I see. I don't see. I look at. I'm looking at the rankings according to CBS and Montrevious Adams. I'm not finding him. Like I mean, I'm looking at the top 75 players, and I'm not seeing this cat. And I'm telling you, he's going to be the one that. But he's going to sell up the draft boards. And what what's going to happen is against Oklahoma, he's going to come in there and just kill that whole team, just just crush the entire team, and and he's going to kill. He's going to. He's going to kill in those workouts, man. I'm telling you, Montrevious Adams is man. He's not a pass rusher. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's a pass rusher. But what the NFL is looking for is an anchor on that defensive line, somebody that can stay over that center and kind of, you know, he can do it all, really. Don't you think Montrevious Adams is a little undervalued right now, according to these rankings? You've watched him play. You've watched every Auburn game. This guy is hard to, to guard. And uh, having him over the middle, over center, it just kind of kills a team's running game. And that's what a lot of teams are looking for in the NFL right now. I think he's more valuable than Carl Lawson is. I, I mean, if you have a good guy on the inside, you have a huge advantage. Uh, that is definitely uh, something that could be considered a strength. I see him, the CBS has been number 118. They have him as a third to fourth round projection. Um yeah, it's a deep draft at D tackle. Again, you know, defensive line. It's, it's really, it's a good draft. You, know, you have Carlos Watkins at Clemson. You have two guys from Michigan and Glasgow and Wormley. You have McDowell from Michigan State, who I'm kind of out on right now because of the injuries. Vita Day at uh, Washington. Uh, you know, obviously um, on Travis Adams. Derek Nottie at Florida State if he comes out, um, which you know I, I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't. But you know he. If you're gonna go get paid, go get paid, son. I'm not gonna tell you not to. Uh, you know, so this this is a very good draft, this deep draft for the trenches, and I think that benefits a lot of teams 
to where they're going to sit there and go, well, we can grab a, you know, a receiver or something in the first round and then focus our attention on the trenches two through four and know we're going to get good value and good talent. Well, I'm more excited about this draft than I have been in a long time, Jonathan. I mean, that's how good this draft is. It's deep. It is deep. It's just like the NFL you described earlier. You know, you got a couple at the top. You know, bottom at the middle is just unbelievable. Look at um, another player I was looking at to film on was Bucky Hodges, a tight end from Virginia Tech, six six two forty five. I could see him going to Pittsburgh or somewhere and being a tight end for Big Ben or somebody. But Carlos Watkins is somebody I have my eye on. You just mentioned you stole my thunder. Dan Freeney, uh, a good guard. Carolina, maybe in the second round, could look at getting him an offensive guard. He's a redshirt senior, six four three zero five out of Indiana. And I'm telling you, Jonathan, if you look at people like this, it's a redshirt senior. They've been in college for five years. They've been, they've been. I don't care what team they played for. They've been in college five years. They're a man now. That's who you want, really. That, that's who could start at day one, right? Somebody like that that's been removed from high school. This will be the sixth year coming into the NFL. That's who you want instead of one of these redshirt uh, sophomores or juniors or something. I just think these guys are so valuable to their team. But I'm, I'm telling you, there's going to be some people shoot up the draft board that you're not even thinking of right now. Once they start going through the bowl games, once they start – they, they start coming out. Look at Jalen Reed-Maben out of Tennessee. What, if he's healthy, once he gets healthy, do you think his size is going to be a factor just at six foot, 230? Or do you think he's somebody that can make it big in the NFL? Because I think Jalen Reed-Maben is a stud. You know, it's funny. People talk about size and how that could be um, you know, such a, a a bad thing if they're not this tall or weigh this much. And well, I mean, we got to remember that you know, a good player is a good player. You know, Derek Brooks is undersized and he's a Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, I think uh, Ronde Barber undersized Hall of Famer. You know, so I think size plays into it sometimes. But you got to look at the player, and if a guy's a playmaker, and if a guy, you know, if he, if you're watching the defense, and boom, so you're focused on him. Then I think that's somebody that no doubt you take a look at you you know you take the chance on the fact that he's six foot and not six foot two. Uh, that that's always uh, something that uh, I I think you know size is overrated uh, a lot of the times uh, at certain positions. Now if you're a a D tackle and you're 270 pounds, the game's kind of past you. You need to be able to move to the end. Um, you know, if you're an offensive lineman and you weigh 270 pounds, mm, we might have some issues. Uh, but you know, it's just like five foot six wide receivers. You're gonna, I'm gonna have a hard time putting you somewhere because you know, cornerbacks have now gotten to be six foot. Um, you know, so I, I, I think size factors in sometimes, but I don't really, I don't let that be the end all be all when it comes down to whether or not I'm gonna draft somebody. Yeah. Well, we won't talk a lot about the NFL, but we had to talk some about it. It's only. 47 minutes. That's not bad, is it? Talk a little NFL football and draft. It's it's getting. When is the draft actually? What what month is that now? Is it May or April? Um, I don't know when the draft's going to be this year because I know they've been changing it up from time to time. Uh, I think it's going to be in April again this year. But saying that they're going to have the spring league now. Well, allegedly there's going to be a spring league. Um. Uh, for the veterans and everything, maybe they push it back to May. I'm not 
I'm not entirely certain. I tend to look when the draft when they're going to announce the draft date. You know, after the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. I'm one of these fanatics. I actually watch uh, all the drills, everything. Watch all the practices, combines. I watch it all. So um, that's how on draft day when we're doing this show, you and I seem to know what what's going on better than Owl Mel Kiper there, the Owl. Seems like we're we're in it more than he is because we actually can see talent, judge talent. He just sits up there with his hairspray, reading names off a board that he ranked. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. But, well, I mean, anyway, we don't watch just highlight films, and that's that's a problem I have with a lot of these draft guys. They they don't watch. They, they don't watch the entirety of the game. They'll just they'll just watch somebody's highlight film, and that's something that bothers me because the highlight films you're showing the highlights, you're showing them doing things good. I want to see how they hold up throughout the entire course of the game. Yeah, and maybe you know those plays they're making, those highlights are in the third and fourth quarter, the major drives, and that tells a lot about a a kid too. You know, when when he makes the plays, what's on the line. Well. Speaking of uh, football, man, we're in the bowl season now. Boston College up on Maryland, thirty-six to thirteen. God, what a bad game! Are you <laughs> speaking about bad game? What about what about Mississippi State and Miami of Ohio? That was like watching paint dry. Trying to watch that. Two so far. He struck out twice today. Bowl game. I mean, nobody's watching in the stands. There's nobody at the game. We have a 5 o'clock game today, Bandy and NC State. But just trying to look at the bowls is what we're going to do and try to try to talk about some of these games that are worth talking about. There's some that, Jonathan, they're just not worth talking about right now. I mean, have, have you seen a bowl game that's just, like, captured your attention and been like, wow, what a game? I just, I just haven't seen it. Well, I mean, from a, a viewer standpoint, looking at some of these games, um, you know, I, 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 I mean, you know, I enjoyed watching Tulsa's offense. Um, they're the first uh, team to um, have a 3,000-yard pass for a 1,000-yard rusher and 2,000-yard receivers. Um, I think that's what it was. It might have been 2,000-yard rushers. Uh, and, and, you know, it was, it's really fun watching their offense. Uh, watching Idaho with either last bowl game put up 61, and, you know, they were 16-point favorites, and they won by 11. That was that was pretty neat for me. Um, you know, the, uh, the Appalachian State-Toledo game was a great game, came down to the, to the wire. The Louisiana Tech-Navy was a great game that came down to the wire. But other than that, it's just kind of been dry and boring and non-entertaining. You know, I'm – I'm sitting here going, wow, what are we going to get, you know, games that I'm truly interested, you know, good teams, and it's going to be a great matchup, uh, you know, that a lot of people are going to watch. And it's like, well, we, you know, West Virginia Miami might be our first marquee matchup, quote-unquote, if you will, because it's two bigger-name schools. And even that, I don't know if it's going to be a good game. Yeah, so tomorrow is Tuesday. You get, I guess, Minnesota-Washington State and Baylor-Boise. Those are somewhat interesting to me because I want to see Washington State against Minnesota to see how they attack them. Boise, Baylor, I want to see what Baylor team shows up. I want to see how they look in the bowl season. 
then we have Wednesday the 28th. I think it starts getting a little more interesting then. Miami, West Virginia, like you said. Indiana, Utah should be an okay game. Kansas State, A&M should be good. Friday, you have Arkansas, Virginia Tech, Colorado, Oklahoma State, South Carolina, South or South Florida, and then we get to Saturday, Jonathan, I believe, or is that or thirtieth Friday? Thirtieth is Friday. Yeah. yeah, we got Georgia Tech, TCU, Stanford, North Carolina, Air Force, South Alabama, Nebraska, Tennessee, Michigan, Florida State. I know you're ready for that Friday night, aren't you? <laughs> I've, I've been geared up for a uh, for a for a minute for that game. That's going to be amazing. And then Saturday, we get football on Saturday that's meaningful. We're going to start out in the morning with LSU, Louisville, no Fournette. I don't think it's going to matter. Kentucky, Georgia Tech, another SEC, ACC matchup. And then you get the the playoffs starting, man. Bama, Washington starts at three. And why am I sitting there thinking now that after this entire bowl season, I've been thinking that Bama was going to blow Washington out. Why closer to the game am I starting to see that this could be a very competitive football game? Because Washington has more talent than people realize. Um, and that's really what, you know, if you look at the pro prospects, Washington's got a good number in this one as well. Both their cornerbacks should be taking the first three rounds. Um, you know, you, you, I, I think I think Washington has the better secondary Um you know, I don't. You know, Washington has a good defensive line. Alabama's got a great defensive line. You know, Washington. You know, they lost their two best outside linebackers, so that obviously you get the edge to Alabama there. On the offensive lines, I, you know, Washington. Alabama should have more talent, but Washington hasn't been bad this year. Um, that you look at the outside, and it's you know again, a lot of talent on both ends. You look at the backfield, a lot of talent. Um, you look at the quarterbacks, you, you're talking about a true freshman and, and Hurts against Browning, who 42 touchdowns and seven interceptions. You know, I mean, he had a really good year. You know, I, I think this Washington team has just been so good this year, and they have so much talent uh, that, I, you know, I, I honestly don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think Bama's going to get a handful from a team that feels disrespected. Mm-hmm. And from a team that has a great coaching staff. I mean, we see what happens every time you give Peterson time to game plan for a team, and it usually winds up with a victory. Yeah, the thing about Washington is they're not focused on one player on offense. They can spread it out to a lot of different receivers. They can run the football. Browning can move it if he needs to with his feet, if he has to. So they're not – they have a lot of weapons on offense, which makes it interesting. And I don't think Alabama's offense or defense has seen probably an offense like this in a way. They have very good skill position players. They're not as big as as what you'd like. But, again, this is a month of preparation you have, a month of hearing that you're going to get blown out by Alabama, that you don't belong on the same field with them. I'm a player, Jonathan. I'm coming in with an attitude. And I don't think Peterson's – going to be playing to keep it closed. I think the thing that's going to surprise people is when it's fourth and four whatnot, Peterson's going to go for the first down, fourth and three, stuff like that. They're not going to punt it. They're not going to try to play field position. They're going to try to win the football game. And you get one shot, and Peterson has won in just about every big bowl game he's coached in. And so is Saban. Saban does the same thing that he's lost some, you know. 
Peterson's a better coach than what people give him credit for. He's not really he's not given near enough credit. But I don't know. Something about this game is kind of terrifying. Anytime you go into a playoff and you're sitting there thinking, well, it's Alabama and everybody else, really. You know, what are they going to be playing for? That's when you have to watch out because these are kids, Jonathan. They've been told the whole time. They watch TV. They watch ESPN. They read their press clippings. Washington doesn't belong on the field with them. That's what they think. And what happens when you let your guard down? It happens. You let your guard down. You get up by two touchdowns early in the game, and you're like, it's over. And then all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. Washington just – because I, I can see Washington, Jonathan, if they can get in the rhythm, move the ball and get some first downs, they can put a lot of points on the board against a great Alabama defense. And, and you can be a great defense and give up some points in one football game, especially with a month layoff in it. Uh, I don't know. It's just going to be different. But I haven't felt different about my Ohio State Clemson pick. I still love Clemson in this football game. I do not think Ohio State has enough offense. And I don't think they have enough defense to contain Watson for four quarters. That's it. I mean, they don't, I don't think they can guard Clemson. I just think Vegas screwed up the point spread in this one. It should be flipped. Clemson should be a three-point favorite, but Ohio State's a three. I agree. I mean, you know, Clemson, people, you know, Clemson hasn't really run the offense that they ran last year. People seem to forget that. Uh, they haven't called as many runs for Watson which gave him that great dual threat ability and made defenses, you know, a little more hesitant um, to, to to bring the blitz. Uh, so I, I think Ohio State's defense is going to be, you know, they're going to have their hands full. Uh, you got great talent on the outside. You got a really good running back in Mike Williams. Uh, you got a good offensive line. You got a really good quarterback. I mean, it's hard to, you know, be a bad quarterback or be an average quarterback and be in the Heisman running back-to-back years. Um you know, they're, they're going to face the best defensive line they've seen this year in Clemson, especially in the interior. Um, you know, Clemson's got a good secondary. Uh, well, they have good talent in the secondary. I mean, they still have their issues from time to time. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, in all honesty, Ohio State can't really throw the ball to begin with. So, Clemson's going to stack the box. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, then Clemson's going to stack the box. That defensive line's going to eat. I think Ohio State – um, is really going to have a hard time to move the football. And I, I, I can I can see it happening right now where it's the same thing as last year with Oklahoma where Clemson's, you know, just chugging along and Ohio State's kind of one drive and then a three and out, you know, a turnover, touchdown, three and out, turnover, you know, you know they're, they're not going to be able to establish a rhythm where I think Clemson's going to get a rhythm established and just kind of roll through the game. Yeah, I have no doubts about this one. I could be wrong. I mean, but I feel like I have this one nailed, like, if they get us the point spread on it. And there's so many bowl games, it's easy to miss a point spread. But I think the perception is, all along, and you saw it through this committee, Ohio State's the second-best team in the country. They fooled everybody in the country to believing that. And I think Vegas has the, you know, the point spread is made up by perception. So, that's why Ohio State's a three-point favorite. So if you're looking for some an advantage over Vegas to get you some money in the bank, I think that's your game. And uh, and we we still haven't talked enough about USC Penn State. Here's two teams that are hot. Two teams that you know they've lost early in the season, big embarrassed. USC embarrassed by Bama. Penn State embarrassed by Michigan. Both teams have been winning the ball, 
winning games of late. They've been running the ball well, throwing the ball, special teams. What's going to give in this Rose Bowl? I guess the question is to me, who wants to be there more, USC or Penn State, Jonathan? Because Penn State got snubbed out of the playoffs. Is that going to make them want to play harder, or is that going to make them kind of not even give a crap what happens in this game, really? Well, the great thing is that for Penn State, nobody had them anywhere near what they are right now. People thought, you know, the media perception was, well, you know, they're going to slog through this year. Maybe they'll, you know, play in the Outback Bowl. But, yeah, they're not going to be in the Rose Bowl. So, you know, they're out to prove a lot of people wrong. And they haven't had the best track record in the Rose Bowl recently. Um, so, you know, you know they'd like to win one. Because in the Big Ten, it's still a huge goal to win the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, the playoff is obviously, you know, everyone wants to play for a national title, but if your consolation prize is the Rose Bowl, it's, that's not a bad prize to have. And last time they were here, they played a USC team who ran them off the field. So don't think that that's not in the back of their minds and they're sitting there going, we got to get revenge for that game. I think both teams are looking at this and they're, you know, I think they're both excited to be here. I think they both want this. Um, you know, if you're USC, you have three losses and you're in the Rose Bowl. So you have to you have to love the fact that you're there and you're going to play hard. You're going to prove that this is a different team than the one that lost all those games. And if you're Penn State, you're out here to prove, you know, we're going to win this game. We're going to beat USC and share everybody. We belong in the playoffs. And we're going to get more respect next year because of it because they're going to return a lot of these guys. Um, you know, that's mm-hmm. one of the nice things about Penn State is that, you know, the quarterback's going to be back. You know, running back should be back. You know, you're going to have a lot of these guys coming back next year, and they're going to go, we're going to win this game and take the positive momentum from it and keep on rolling. Uh, and, you know, all the coaches, it, it, it's fine. So coaches never want to lose, but you especially don't want to lose bowl games because that can really affect recruiting. If you win, you have positive momentum going into recruiting. If you lose, recruits might start looking at you a little funny. You know, if, unless you're in the playoff where it's like, all right, well, you lost to, you know, Alabama. Oh, well, I mean, can't really hold that against you. But if you lose the Rose Bowl or you lose the Orange Bowl, some recruits might go, maybe I'll go to Michigan over Penn State because they won the Orange Bowl and Penn State lost the Rose Bowl. You know, and this is, yep. you know, especially for Penn State, this is huge. You got Michigan and the Orange and Ohio State in the playoff. You got to find a way to keep up for, uh, with recruiting. And it's not like Wisconsin wasn't, wasn't a bad team this year. They gave them all they could handle in the Big Ten Championship game. Michigan State might have had a down year, but it's still a team you got to look at it and go, you know what? They're still dangerous. So, I think if if you're Penn State, you want this game um, more than you come in and go, oh, it's just nice to be here. That's cool, spending New Year's in California. How nice is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you said something interesting about recruiting, and I can make the same mention about Auburn. You know, a team with four losses in the Sugar Bowl, but recruits that are, you know, have, have them on their final list right here. If Auburn comes out and plays a great game, you know, with their team back, they're healthy, and they look good, and they beat a good Oklahoma team, that could really tip the scales in their favor for some of these 50-50 recruits. I don't think people really pay much attention to that, but it and, it and it really helps for two years down the road. Not only does it help this year, but, you know, like this recruiting class is from two years prior, really, how you performed, and, and the fact that Auburn's been a top-ten recruiting class for these years has been amazing just because – the way they struggled on the field, honestly. In 14, they were in the playoff hunt, and then they dropped off. 15, they sucked. You know, they won the Birmingham Bowl. But 16, 
here they are again. But this is a, a chance, a stage. And like you mentioned, USC, Penn State, that's the Rose Bowl. Everybody's going to be watching that game. Penn State comes in there and plays a very good game. Not only do they get some recruiting out of it, but like you said, the biggest thing they get is that respect next year, that benefit of the doubt. If next year and they're, they're in the same situation, Jonathan, that they're in this year, and they have a, a big win over over USC this this year, they, they may get the benefit of the doubt going into the playoff next year instead of that Ohio State team. That just say Ohio State gets trounced by Clemson this year. And they're like, you know what? The Big Ten champ is truly the better team. So next year, if Penn State won the Big Ten in the same position they were in against Ohio State, maybe they do get the nine. But these these bigger bowl games are very important. I don't I don't think some of the other ones like we're seeing right now. I don't think that's going to impact recruiting too much. You know, Mississippi State, Miami, and Ohio. But once you start getting to New Year's Eve, the thirtieth and all, these games are I think are important for recruiting. Uh, if you don't think that Washington Alabama game important, I mean Alabama's going to get who they want anyway. It doesn't matter. But for Washington, how big for recruiting would this be if they were to upset Alabama, knock off Clemson or Ohio State, win a championship? How big for recruiting would that be next year for them? That would be massive. I mean, you you would see a team that would you know, all of a sudden they're competing with USC for recruiting. USC has always done a good job in recruiting, and a lot of that has to do with location and prestige. It's not always what they do on the field. You know, whereas Washington be able to say, uh, well, look what we've done on the field, so you should come here with USC because when's the last time USC played for that? Now, if you want to see where bowl, losing a bowl game will affect your recruiting negatively, just look at the team in Coral Gables because Miami has not won a bowl game since 2006 as a team that has struggled in recruiting for a, for, for a decade now, you know, and I, I think there's a correlation between not only the results on the, you know, during the regular season, but also the results in the bowl games where kids come in and like, well, all right, well, you know, we'll play in a bowl game and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, okay, well, you know, we keep losing the bowl game. So like who wants to end the year with a bitter taste in their mouth? Whereas, Auburn will win a bowl game, and all of a sudden they're surging into the top ten recruiting. You know, so they, they finished seven and six. Yeah, but they won their bowl game. You know, so obviously there's something there, and that, that's that's one of the bigger things is winning a bowl game will instill some hope in, in the next class. Like, well, okay, so maybe they're they're you know they had a down year, but you know there, there's a chance that this team is better than they are. Um, you know, or at least the talent's there for next year. They should be good and things of that nature. So. You know, these these bowl games are very important. Nobody goes in uh, really looking to tank. I mean, you have teams that, you know, they just, they show up and they don't really care. Like Mississippi State today. I honestly don't think Mississippi State cares too much about being in the bowl game. You finished 5-7. and seven. Their bowl game was Ole Miss. They, they looked at it and said, okay, well, yeah. you know, our bowl game is Ole Miss. We beat Ole Miss. Our season uh, is good. So their bowl game was Ole Miss. They, they you know, just trounced Ole Miss, trounced them. And then because they had good grades, they got to go to St. Pete. So, like, okay, so we beat Ole Miss, and we passed our classes, so now we get to go to Bush Gardens for a week. I mean, you know, oh, God, your life is terrible. Yeah. Oh, and then, and then well, it was think oh, about that. Miami and Ohio. Yeah, think about that, though. You, you give all your energy and effort. Uh, you realize we're not going to a bowl game. We're going to play our rival. We beat the piss out of them. What a great way to go out a few days later. Guess what, guys? We're going to select you to get a bowl game. You're right. They're thinking more of like, well, you might in Ohio. We're going on vacation, guys. Let's go. 
you know, we're getting rewarded. Let's 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 just go make make a, a week of it. Let's have some fun. They were not focused on football, and you could tell that today. I mean, my God, and I'm not making excuses. They won the game, for God's sake. But I can tell you the team that played Ole Miss was not the team that played Miami of Ohio today, Jonathan. I mean, it's just obvious. Where, where Auburn, of course, you know, they're going to the Sugar Bowl with four losses. They ought to be thankful that they're in a bowl like that. They ought to fight like hell to, to show that, hey, the committee made the right decision by selecting us to be in this bowl game, right? I mean, <laughs> you have one team that, that didn't know they were going to a bowl, and you have one team that got into a bowl. Back, they backed their way into a bowl game, really. So they ought to be very grateful and try to show out a full, healthy Auburn team. But, I mean, Bandy today, Bandy's going to be fired up to play NC State today. There's no doubt about it. They're going to be fired up that they're in a bowl game and they're playing ESPN2. They're the only game in town tonight. So do you think Bandy will be motivated? Because it's not every year they go bowling. Right. I, mean, I think, you know, teams like Wake Forest and Vanderbilt and Duke uh, and Northwestern, when they get in the bowl game, I think they're pumped to three even there. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're like, well, we're going to win because you know, when's the next chance, time we're actually going to be here? Uh, you know, just like I think North Carolina State is pumped to be in the game, whether some people might think so or not. You know, this is a season that is a disappointment, but, you know, you beat an SEC school in your bowl game, and I know, you know, people hate when you say that, but it's true. And NC State goes, well, if we beat an SEC school, then, you know, look, we did, you know, we finished the year strong. We did something good. There's positive momentum here. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is actually going to be a very good game between Vanderbilt and NC State, whereas, like, Maryland and Boston College, like, Boston College is excited to be there. Maryland, not so much, because they lost six of their last eight games. You know, they're like, all right, can we just get this over with? And you see it on the field today. <laughs> so they, they've just been outclassed. You know, if you look at Mississippi State, the goal today was to not lose. They weren't, you know, they weren't going to cover that spread. They, they didn't care. The goal today was don't lose. And that's exactly what they did. You know, they blocked the extra the field goal when they needed to. Um, you know, they went, you know, because we saw when they needed a touchdown, boom, touchdown. When they needed another one, boom, another touchdown, you know. So when they needed points, they went and got those points. But, you know, in between, they were kind of like, eh, I mean, do we really need to try? Nobody get hurt. Yeah, I just, I mean, people, you have to take into account what teams want to be there. But I guarantee if Alabama loses to Washington, they didn't want to be there. They didn't really want to play that game. Well, that's how it always right, is Alabama, isn't it? Every time they lose a game, oh, yeah, they but, just didn't care. Let's, let's talk about Michigan and Florida State, because this is, this is a game real quick that you could sit here and argue, do they want to be there? And then we have one more to go over. And we'll talk some other things, but Michigan, a team that feels that they deserve to be in the playoff, they feel they got robbed by Ohio State. Florida State's a team that came in with with aspirations of a championship. Beat Ole Miss early in the season, got blindsided by Louisville, should have beaten Clemson. They lost, uh, I think, North Carolina. Finished off their season beating their their rival, the Florida Gators, and here they are landing a prestigious Orange Bowl berth over the team that played in the ACC championship that beat them. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. North Carolina didn't make it. That was Virginia Tech. But it's still over Virginia Tech. Everybody wanted to see Florida State in this game. So which team wants to be there more, Michigan or Florida State? 
in the Orange Bowl. This is their backyard, so you have to say Florida State, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it's Florida State. You got a lot of kids on that roster from Miami. I mean, you got, people are like, is Dalvin Cook going to stop the Orange Bowl now? No. Well, why? You know, he should sit out, you know, to help protect his draft stock. Dalvin Cook don't care about protecting his draft stock when he's going to Miami. He's got a bunch of friends and family that are going to be at this game. He, he cares more about showing out. Uh, you know, this game means a lot to Florida State, and it means a lot for recruiting because you had the year where they lost to North Carolina, where they got dusted by Louisville, where they lost to Clemson. You know, they haven't lost to Clemson back-to-back years in over a decade. You know, you hadn't lost to Louisville in over a decade. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to lose to North Carolina at home. You know, so uh, you know, they beat you know, Michigan, and all of a sudden it kind of, I mean, recruit size, it'll wipe out that North Carolina loss. Um, you know, it might wipe out the drubbing they got from, from Louisville where they're like, okay, well, they lost the game, but they beat Michigan. So, you know, so I, this is this is huge for recruiting purposes for Florida State. And for Michigan, this is huge for recruiting purposes because they're trying to recruit the state of Florida. So if they can come into Florida and beat, beat Florida State, they're like, yeah, well, why go to Florida State? We're better than that. We're, I mean, you know, we beat them. We're better. Why don't you come play for the better team? Uh, why don't you come That's play for the cold. better coach? Uh, no, well, yeah. Well, it's interesting because Kando, uh, five-star defensive end recruit, committed to Florida State this week, um, and he's an early enrollee, and he was at the IMG Academy. And I want to say he, yeah, he's from Maryland. And if there was there was a belief that he wouldn't pick Florida State because he hated the heat down here, absolutely hated the heat. Uh, you know, and his mom went home to go to Maryland. He wasn't going to Maryland. We thought the compromise would be, well, he's going to go to Penn State. And he chose Florida State. And you know, some of these kids, I mean, you, you saw it firsthand where kids were like, hell, I hate the weather. I really do. You know, luckily he's going further north in the state to where, you know, it, fall will hit a little earlier than it will in Sarasota, um, where, I mean, they might get fall in like February. Trust me, I know. I live down this area. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 there's going to be there's going to be the conversations of you want to go to Michigan? No. Why? Y'all get snow at like Thanksgiving. No, no, thank you. No. Uh-uh. You need to keep that mess. Well, I think this this game for Florida State is a chance at redemption, like you talked about. Yeah, they lost a couple games this year. They shouldn't have the the Louisville game. I wouldn't say they shouldn't have lost. They should. They quit. I mean, Louisville's not 50 points better than Florida State. We know that. They just quit. It was just early in the season. You have a lot of games left. They quit. Let's just count that as an L. But this is a chance of redemption, and this is a chance for Dalvin Cook's draft stock to go even higher because of the defense they're playing. And all year we've heard how great this Michigan defense is, and it showed it every week just about. Dalvin Cook goes off in his, in his hometown in Miami, got a bunch of friends and family. His draft stock, instead of being a top seven or eight, he may be a top four pick. Now it could be a lot more money involved, but also it kind of helps set the stage for Florida State next year. Coming in with the momentum, beating Michigan to be a top five team preseason. I know preseason rankings don't matter, but kind of they do in a way. I mean, it it kind of helps to be up there. Because like Auburn, if they win, they'll be they'll be a top ten team next year. But I think Florida State wants this game more. I think Michigan when they lost the. See, here's the deal. You heard Harbaugh cry for days and days after that. So even after they played Ohio State, they still weren't focused on moving forward. 
they were still stuck in the past, really, if you if you will. And I think Florida State moved ahead of Florida. They looked ahead to the Orange Bowl. They were happy to get that that bid. And I just think you'll see a hungrier, faster, more athletic Florida State team, Jonathan, than you will in Michigan. Michigan, they're not going to score a lot of points. I know Quinn likes Michigan in this game. But I just think the athletes will be in Florida playing in Miami, and that's where they're going to show out in that weather. And they're going to have some fun doing it. I just don't understand why they're seven-point dogs. I think Florida State can score on Michigan. I do think Michigan may have trouble scoring a lot on Florida State. But if Calvin Cook can get him a buck fifty right off into the sunset with a win, his draft stock just went up. And I, I really think Jimbo wants this game over Harbaugh. I do. I think Jimbo wants this game more. Well, you know, Jimbo just got a contract extension, so you know he wants to immediately show that it's the fan base, hey, don't panic. You know that, that the extension was for a good cause. We're, we're still building here because there, there's there's a little bit of concern with the fan base that maybe we're going to be stagnant. And yeah, you know we might win eight, you know nine, ten games every year, but we're not going to win the ACC. We're not going to play for national titles. That's unacceptable at FSU. Um, you know, it, it's a very interesting extension where he's part of it is he's going to have more flexibility and more money to hire a coaching staff that would rival Alabama's, you know, with like the, um, uh, what was Sarkeesian's role before he became the offensive coordinator, you know, where he was essentially a shadow coach. Uh, you know, he was, he, he was an advisor. There we go. Um, you know, things like that. And then, you know, another interesting part of the extension that I love is that it shut down all rumors of Jimbo leaving Florida State. If you think Jimbo's going to leave Florida State after this year, stop it. After next year, stop it. Year after that, stop it. Because part of Jimbo's deal is whatever assistance he doesn't take with him, if he were to leave Florida State, he would have to pay out the remainder of the coach's salaries um, that he would leave behind. So here's the Charles Kelly at five million a year. If he doesn't take certain, you know, court, you know, assistant coaches, you're talking six figures here, six figures there over how many years, that, you know. So the the rumors of Jimbo leaving Tallahassee, they're, they're going to die. And that's the greatest thing yeah. about uh, this extension. And I'm just hoping that, you know, there's rumors that there might be a couple coaching changes to our staff, but they won't happen until after a bowl game. So obviously I'm interested to see where that goes. Um, it's, it's just nice to have that. That, that stability at a program. And you can tell a recruit, hey, my contract's through, you know, the 2024 season, so I'll be here when you graduate, or I'll be here when you leave for the draft. You know, there, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, speaking about recruiting, Jonathan, Miami, seven players won't make the bowl trip because they failed to meet the standards of expectations set by the program. And this is another thing with Miami. It just seems like every year. In the bowl season, think about it, when they make bowl games, one of the reasons they can't win is because most of their starters are out for cocaine or rape or prostitution, something like that. When they finally make a bowl game, they lose. But seven players, receiver Carney, tight end Giovanni Haskins, tight end Michael Irvin Jr., Jeff James, a defensive back, defensive lineman Tyreek Martin, defensive lineman Gerald Willis, defensive back Cedric Wright. They're not going to play against West Virginia. I mean, can you believe that? Seven uh, players. That's just unbelievable. 
Well, all right, so Gerald Willis, uh, that name might sound familiar to some of y'all because he was at the University of Florida, got kicked out of Florida, wound up in Miami. Uh, he's really the only uh, starter that's been being suspended. Um, the rest of them, I don't know if they've actually played or if they have outside of special teams. Um, that's one player well, yeah, suspended yeah. for each year they've lost to Florida State. That's, I, I, that's, that's yeah. been the fun part I've had with this. That's the, for every year in a row you've lost to FSU, you've had, you had a player suspended for this bowl game. <laughs> Eat that, Miami. Yeah, Willis is a Florida transfer, the only non-freshman of the seven-man group that is suspended. Um, man, I mean, it just sucks when you, you get that kind of news and then you start seeing recruiting. I like to see Mark Rick being tough on them, but it just seems like this is not a Mark Richt issue or a coaching issue. This is a Miami issue because no matter who the coach has been at Miami, they've always been a bunch of punks. I mean, it's just – I mean, you even brought a choir boy in from Rutgers to try to clean it up. Hell, they ran him off because he wasn't dirty enough. I mean, he got off the plane cheating, and that's still not dirty enough to be a Miami coach. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel bad for Mark Rick because – this is a man that deserves better than having a coach over there. But again, with a, you know, you get an attendance of about 23 people when you go to the Orange Bowl and watch them play, right? About 27. <laughs> Am I over-exaggerating? 27 uh, people, mostly family, kids, their kids that they have there. And I, don't, I don't know. It's just some of these bowl games are tough to predict. And I wish I had known this before I predicted the bowl games. I think I had West Virginia anyway. But uh, Minnesota's going to get trounced tomorrow because of their 10 players being suspended like that. That whole holdout, we're going to boycott the bowl game crap. Well, you, you're going to wish you had boycotted that game, Minnesota. You're going to wish you had because Washington State's going to hang 60 on you. And then you're going to really look bad. So what, what's worse, boycotting the game and not playing it or getting beat by 50? Which one's worse? <laughs> oh. Oh, boy. I mean, you know, it, it felt like even Minnesota was like, we're just not going to go. Because Notre Dame's done that before. Miami's done it. We're like, we're, we're, we're yeah, I know we're both eligible. We're not going to a ball game, guys. Um, you know, for Minnesota, I mean, I think the bigger PR hit is the boycott. Uh, but if you're uh, if you're on the team and you, you, know, you lose 63 to 10 to Washington State, you just have to reevaluate where you're at. You know, and I think that that'll come down to, uh, obviously, I think Washington State wants to be there more right now. I think they're more mentally prepared. Uh, and I, I I just think they're going to get just trounced. I think it's going to get a beep, 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 an ugly, 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 ugly game. Um, ugly, it was already ugly. a mismatch. I mean, think about it. It was already a mismatch. You had an offense that could score and a defense that was somewhat pesky in Washington State against the Minnesota team whose defense was good and the offense really wasn't that good. It's like your 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 best hope was that you lost, you know, thirty eight to twenty four, you know, maybe thirty one twenty four. Now, I mean, I, I just think it's gonna be a can of whooping. Well well we talked about recruiting earlier. Let me give you the top ten according to rivals right now. As of as of today. Just as of today, no projections. Bama's one, Florida State's two. Ohio State, three, Michigan, four, LSU, five, Clemson, six, Texas, seven, Ole Miss, eight, Auburn, nine, UCLA, ten. Anything jump out at you right there? UCLA being ten kind of surprises me a little bit right now. 
30 commitments, mm-hmm. though. That's the thing. They have, they, have, they have 30. How do you get 30? I thought there was a limit now. Auburn already has 23. Michigan has 29. I mean, how do they get to recruit these many players? Because we held, Jonathan, we've had five, six, seven people quitting the team, and we've never, you know, went above our number of, like, 25, I think. So how, how can you sign 30 at this point? Well, I know the SEC put in the hard cap of 23 recruits. Um, I want to say there's a rule to where if you don't sign X number of players the year before, um, you can kind of roll over those scholarships to the next year. Uh, this is all conference-based. Pac-12 might also not have a conference uh, scholarship rule every year. Um, you know, so that's, that's well, It seems like it should I, be the same for everybody. I mean, that's bull. That's bull crap. Michigan getting 29 recruits, and, and you, we have to sit over here. I don't know how many Auburn can get this year. I haven't really studied that much, but they're 23 right now. They have several, still several targets, I think maybe up to 28. Maybe some of those players that quit are available to come, you know, to be filled this year or something like that. Right. Maybe know. there's a chance of that. Um Ah, that's it. That's interesting. I mean, if you want to be honest, the biggest surprise to me is Florida State at two. Uh, and maybe that's because Ohio State's going to make a late push. I, I just look at it and I see Alabama one, Ohio State two. And I don't think that changes until a coach changes uh, at those schools. So they, they save and admire just recruit circles around everybody. Um, you know, if Florida State can finish. Yeah, but, the Florida two, State, but if Florida State beats Michigan, though, if Florida State beats Michigan, Clemson beats Ohio State. They both are at 25 right now. Scholar, they've already t- committed to 25. So you're, you you think Ohio State a push past Florida State? I mean, I think they can make a push. I, I but Florida State can still make a push uh, with uh, Cam Akers, who is an uh, all-world, you know, running back prospect uh, out of uh, Ole Miss. I mean, not out of Ole Miss, out of Mississippi. Uh, Ole Miss think they're in on him. I don't think Ole Miss. Have, um, is going to get him though. Uh, I, this guy apparently is, has a lot of Percy Harvin qualities to him. I know he's played quarterback a lot this year. Um, He'll be a Florida but, State. Know, yeah, and uh, yeah. I mean, I think he's a top running back recruit in the nation. He might be number two. I know Alabama. When I no. told him yeah, early no, on, Najee, they didn't want him. Najee Harris is number one. Najee Harris is number one, and he's committed to Alabama running back. And he stayed yeah. there. It's weird how Alabama, Alabama signs somebody. They lock, you know, they move up. They never go down. So you, you can forget that. Cam Akers could be the better running back, but unless he gets to Alabama or Cam Akins, I say Clay Akins or somebody. Uh, <laughs> there's a big offense. Foster Sarah, offensive lineman. Um, Trying to see where he's going. Alabama's on his list, of course. I don't know how they get all these players, man. I know, I know how, but I hate saying it on the air because people think you're a hater. When you can write, when you got a bag man like Alabama, you can get anybody you want. Well, but the thing I to mean, pay attention to in the recruiting class is the average star rating. That's to me, that's what matters. That shows yeah. what kind of quality player you're getting. You look at Auburn three six five, not too bad. I mean, it, it, it may improve a little bit. It may stay the same. Alabama's a three point eight three player. So out of all these players they're getting, there's not much separating. There's not much difference between a three point eight player, Jonathan, and a three point six five player, right? Uh, 
that's what people don't realize about recruiting. It's a numbers game. Mm-hmm. UCLA's tenth, but they're a three point three. Mm-hmm. You know, Florida State's a three point seven. Ohio State's a three point seven six, but USC's the well, type of team that usually when they when, when they used to recruit, they used to have about a four point one. That was their average. <laughs> mhm. I well that was like that year that Tennessee, you know, had the number one recruiting class for most of the season. And everybody's like, Wow, you know, number one recruiting class and you should you know like well, the number one because they have forty five minutes, and everybody else, yeah, everybody had everybody else had like ten or fifteen. I mean, Tennessee just had more, uh, um, as far as quantity. As soon as they started doing the quantity numbers, you're like, ah, uh, yeah, they're gonna get lapped. When everybody else signs a full class, and Tennessee shows <laughs> the same number of kids, they're gonna get lapped. That's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, recruiting's an interesting game. Uh, I like the fact that Florida State's going after guys who are early enrollees. Um, you know, so you're talking about uh, high-end prospects who are going to be there uh, for for spring and uh, for summer. I, I love I love getting that a uh, guy like Kendo who's doing that. Uh, you know, and I like guys who commit before the All Star game. Um, that's always something I, I truly appreciate because the guy commit and then he can actually go dedicate his time fully to the All Star game and not have that that you know that thought in his head of where am I actually going to go? Where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? Um, you know, but. At the end of the day, nobody's locked in until they sign the paper or until they show up on campus. Um, so we'll we'll see uh, we'll see how it all shapes out. We got plenty of time before uh, before that hits, though. See, so I'm looking at Auburn's team right now, and I'm not seeing I'm not seeing uh, Stidham on there. Maybe I'm overlooking it, but one thing in he's a transfer. How many five stars? Okay, well they're a, they have two five stars. It shows. It shows Auburn with two five stars, but when I go into their team, they don't have a five star. I know Calvin, Ashley, and Stidham are five stars. They have to be, but when I look at Auburn's team, they have two five stars, 13 four stars, and six stars. Not a bad class right now. But when you go in there and break it down, it doesn't show any five stars. It just shows you this is an Alabama <laughs> run, run recruiting service, man. And, and well, it was founded by Alabama fans, rivals, what? That's why I use two four seven, um, and I just do their composite rankings. Because you know, some some scouting services have guys higher or lower. Uh, you know, if a guy, you know, like you said, there are some of them that once a guy commits to a certain school, uh, his ranking gets higher. I mean, there's always the classic case of a three star committing to UCF, and then he'll commit to Florida State, and all of a sudden he's a four. You know, like well. Why is that? Is it just because he's going to Florida State? I mean, are they assuming that the Florida State coaching staff knows more than they do? So, um, you know, I, I, I that's why I like two four seven. It's a, it's a true composite. Um, you know, they 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 just average everybody out and go from there. Well, where is Auburn two forty seven right now? Let's see. I'm looking at there at seven. I love it better. I love two forty seven. I got my tiger think higher. I love it. Um, <laughs> I love it, man. What are you talking about? I love it, love it, love it. But they've got Alabama, USC, two. Oh, this is recruiting talent. LSU, three. Ohio State, four. Florida State, five. Georgia, six, seven. I don't even know what I'm looking at here. Um, wow, I don't even know what I'm looking at. <laughs> 2016 college football talent, team talent composite since 2000. Okay, okay. 
So if you're looking at talent since 2000, Auburn's the seventh best team in the country in recruiting. So that makes Maybe worse. I mean, I mean, it makes sense. They've had some good seasons. They, you know, in 2004, they they were undefeated. 2010, undefeated, won a championship. 2013, played for a championship. But they've been recruiting well. But Alabama, your number one team, which is not, not surprising at all with Nick Saban there. I'm trying to so, go there and see recruiting. I, I well, while you're doing that, I, I got a I got a, a Florida State thing here. Um, a Florida State currently has the most players in the NFL right now, um, which is phenomenal if you think about it. Um, especially if you look at uh, a lot of these guys have come out of the draft. Let's say the past four years, uh, you know it's you know you got four starting kickers, uh, you got. You got three quarterbacks, one of them starting, you know, and just a bunch on defense. And, and to look at the defensive side, every uh, defender from that 2013 national championship team has started a game. Uh, a lot of people, I, there, there's uh, people out there saying Terrence Brooks that hasn't started his NFL career. I mean, the boys played enough. He had an interception to seal the game against the Giants. Um so you know, maybe you know, you could say it's ten, but I'm going to say all eleven have started an NFL game since uh, being drafted, and that's just amazing. If you think about you know people talk about how good is that Florida State team really? Uh, well, your quarterback, your running back, your top two receivers, your tight end, your five offensive linemen, and all eleven defenders. Oh, and your kicker have all are all started in the NFL, and that team might be one of the most talented teams that we run across this decade. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, you just to go back to Auburn real quick, Jonathan, if you want to see an offensive line class, go look at what they've got. They've got <laughs> Calvin Ashley anchoring it at five. Calvin Ashley, Austin Troxel, you've got Nick Brahms. Let me go down the list. I was reading this the other day. they got somebody else. They've got four. Offensive linemen that are committed to them, I believe. Um, but none bigger, no bigger recruit than – and another one, to to Darian Moultrie, that guy. I watched some film on this guy. He's a four-star inside linebacker. This guy's mean, dude. Go watch him hit. Um, but nothing bigger than Jared Stidham for Auburn. I don't care how many – who they signed this year, they could sign – Alabama's class, but getting Stidham right there, Jonathan, is the thing that Auburn was looking for. Hopefully it works out because if he pans out, Auburn's going to be in the playoff next year. I promise you. If he pans out, he's the number one national quarterback, number one dual threat um, from Texas. I mean, the number one quarterback in Texas, number one player in Texas. This guy is uh, – is a machine. If he if he does that on the field, Jonathan, I'm promising you right now, Auburn's going to be in the playoff next year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I Big mean, yeah. Big yeah. It it doesn't suck to get the best quarterback commit in the country this year, who's also going to you know we already know that he's ready to start day one. Um, you know, I, I he's very talented. He's incredibly talented coming out of high school. And we saw flashes at Baylor when Seth Russell went down. Uh, you know, and if if that whole business at Baylor hadn't happened, Stidham might still be there. And, you know, that's, that's something 
that you know, it's got to eat at Baylor a little bit. That you lost one of the most talented quarterback recruits in the nation because of some stupid off the field stuff that should have never happened uh, within your program. Um, you know, stupid is probably the wrong word. Heinous. Yeah, heinous. Heinous off the field stuff. Um, so it, it's going to be great for Auburn to get him into camp and see if he can beat out Sean White, which talent wise I think he can, and then you know what he can do in the field for them because he's more of a dual threat. Uh, than Sean White is, and that's something that Auburn would just love to have for their system. If, if, if Gus Malzahn doesn't announce Stidham's a starting quarterback in the spring, I'm, I'm committing, I'm decommitting, and I'm going to be a Boise State fan for the rest of my life, okay? Brian, 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 oh, Brian, yeah. Brian. A smart coach doesn't announce the starter to the media until fall camp. That way the backup can't transfer out just in case things go south. I know Cam didn't even win it, I don't think. They were like, oh, Trotter's got him. He's right on his butt, right on his butt. They're neck and neck. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing at Florida Cam State. Oh, Jacob Coker yeah. could well, be the starter. <laughs> let's talk five minutes of politics heading into the, the end of the year. We're going to do a show. We'll probably do one, I would say, Friday if you can. We can do a show Thursday or Friday, mm-hmm. Thursday night maybe, to – Go ahead and preview all the good games. Does that work for you Thursday night? No, of course. Okay. Well, let's talk some politics. I just want to have some fun for five minutes before we leave. Um, you know, Obama came out and said that he, th- he thinks he would have won the election this year, Jonathan, had he, had he run. Uh, this guy can't let it go. This guy cannot let it go. He screws up Israel, a deal with them. He's trying to go in and screw up everything to make it hard on Trump right now. Have you have you paid attention to anything in the media going on with politics? But <laughs> uh, no, my God, this is a, a disaster. Obama may have beaten Trump, maybe he may have beaten him, but I think the country was so fed up with Obama. I don't know, but this seems like the Dem- I, I think we're going to do a redo election uh, over here. I think the Democrats would be happy if we did it over again. And uh, because they still can't accept the results of this election that just happened, let it die, people. Now, now the electoral college is a bad thing. Popular vote should matter, right? So, if just just like Trump said, Jonathan, if I'd known that, I'd just campaign in California, Texas, Florida, New York. I'd have won those states. He said, tried to. I wouldn't worry about all the other ones. And he's right. He yeah. makes a good point. Now the electoral college is stupid. Now that the Democrats lost. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't get that. You know, people are like, oh, she won the popular vote, she should be president. Well, that's not how it works. That's not how you campaign. You know, both of them campaigned uh, to win electoral votes. They didn't campaign to win the popular vote. Nobody campaigns to win the popular vote. They're campaigning for the electoral vote. So, you know, I, I say you run a totally different campaign, it's a totally different election if you're you're playing to everybody. No, Trump doesn't go to Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Ohio as much as he did um, if it's just a popular contest. You know, and that's, you know, your middle states or your smaller states are kind of cut out of it because, you know, who's going to go to Rhode Island? Who's going to go, you know, who's going to go to North Dakota? You know, you, nobody's going to care about those yeah. states. You know, they actually matter in the electoral college. Um, you know, considering that well, they should. order... A quarter of your population resides between New York and L.A. So if you're telling me I only have to recruit four states in the country to win an election, well, what's the point? 
That's not that's not the majority then. That might be the majority of the people. It's not the majority of the country. It's the full country. Um, you know, it just it, it it boggles my mind. And it's funny, you know, you, you know, Trump. I, I will not accept the results of the election if I lose. And I was like, oh, I was a sick boy, because he, you know, if, if now that he's won, the Democrats aren't accepting the results of the election, so he could just laugh about it and go, see. <laughs> I mean, yeah. hi, guys. Well, I'll tell you, you'll hear me say this. I will not support a president that doesn't support Israel. So uh, Obama doesn't support Israel. Bye. Get out. Uh, this is Israel's son of the U.S. ambassador. And he hits out at Obama. Obama just, I don't know. He's always on vacation when things need to be handled. He's playing golf in Hawaii or in a baseball game or, or something. I just think I think America's tired of it. 2017 is the year of change, guys. It started in 16 in November when you elected Donald Trump to be the next president. And I, you can do what you want, put whoever you want in 2020. Again, you lost the next eight years because of your actions in the media during this election. Trump's going to win both terms, and you guys are going to have to deal with that because the media is lies. People are tired of it. It showed us, man, and I put this out there, it showed the same old girl being captured like a refugee three separate times by three different people, CNN. They, they lie more than anybody in the world when it comes to media. And that's why Trump always said it. And he, he, he wouldn't say something 700 times if he didn't believe it. Talking about the crooked media, how corrupt they are. He said, look at them out there, how sick the corrupt they are. You know what they are. That's why he said that. Doesn't mean he's not, but he just he knows the media is corrupt, and he calls them out on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely an interesting time in American politics. Um, the Democrats kind of screwed themselves when they um, if Clinton would have won the 08 election, she probably would have won the 12 election, and um, instead they put Obama off when they should have put Obama on the shelf for this year. Because uh, you would have had 16 straight years, you would have had the uh, um, Supreme Court seats, and now you're looking at those court seats, and Trump gets to put up his nominees and it's his nominations, and he has yep. Congress, and you know he has he has the Senate, and he has the House, uh, uh, you know, backing him as well. You know, and people are like, well, you know, Hillary Clinton, yeah, that the blah blah blah, yeah, that's our president. You're like, oh, um, you know, the Senate's majority Republican, the House is majority Republican. And majority of the governors are Republican. So, I mean, you know, if she had gotten elected and everything else was red, I think the, the, we would have had another four years of the same thing we just had these past four. Mm-hmm. Where you couldn't really get much. Yeah. You couldn't really get much done because nobody could agree on everything. Um, we'll see what happens. I know I'm looking at some of his nominations and some of the people, some of the names he's kicking around. I'm rolling my eyes like Vinny Viola, who. Uh, is a uh, he's the owner of the Florida Panthers, who might be the most dysfunctional NHL team right now. I know he has him nominated for uh, Secretary of the Army or something along those lines. And but what are his qualifications? He was a West Point grad. Okay, what else did he do? He got really rich and he bought a hockey team that is now a complete train wreck. Oh, okay, yeah, I definitely want him in charge of something. No, I'm being sarcastic. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that shapes out. Nothing, nothing's official. Right now, 
So everybody needs to stop panicking, um, you know, about names and everything. Um, well, you know, once he gets inaugurated, we'll see where everything goes. I just think give him a chance. You know, everybody gave Barack a chance. Everybody gave George W. Everybody gave Bill a chance. You know, you you have to give your president a fair shake because if you go in expecting him to fail, well, it's like being on a plane and expecting the pilot to crash. Not really a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, we're off tonight. We will be back Thursday night. Enjoy Monday night football. Seems like Sunday right now. My whole week's messed <laughs> up. But enjoy your week. We will see you Thursday night. We'll preview all the big games, man. We got a lot coming up. So we'll also be previewing the NFL week week seventeen. See what's going on. But Jonathan, thanks for joining me as always. You're a great co-host. Fine addition to this program. So take care, and we'll be talking about your Florida State Seminoles Thursday night. I love it. Sounds great. Uh, I, I wish you and yours the best uh, for the rest of 2016, and we'll talk to you soon, Brian. You too, buddy. God bless. Take care. Bye, y'all.